0: This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Uh, so, I um, I grew up listening to Paul Harvey on the radio. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? I am a little bit older than it appears. This side indicates my age better than this side. Any of you have like awkward, not even gray beards, or is that just me? Anyway, Paul Harvey. He, uh, what he would do is he would take uh, this very familiar story that you knew pieces of, and he would tell you the story behind the story. He, he was doing VH1s behind the story long before VH1 ever came into existence. And he would end that story behind the story with this famous line saying, and that's the rest of the story. Jason, you were 99 out of 99 going into this one. And that's the rest of the story. But that's often true of names, isn't it? Every name has a story. There's a story behind every name. Uh, My boys have a name and their names have a story. See, the year after Jill and I got married, we moved to Arizona. And uh, for my birthday, she got us tickets to go see the Chieftains, this Irish folk band that I loved. And we, we went to downtown Phoenix to see them at, at Symphony Hall. And mind you, at this point, I had zero desire to have children. Uh, I had a career, and that was my child that I was investing in. That said, before the show started, we were looking through the, the program. And we were talking about if we had kids. Mind you, that was an all-caps if. If we had kids, wouldn't it be cool if we had twin boys? And we started thinking of names, and, and we came up with names. And it was going to be Sean Ashley, because there's a, there's a tradition in our, our family where the eldest son takes his father's first name as his middle name. Sean Ashley and Ethan Patrick. There's no Irish in either one of us. But the names surely were. And it wasn't gonna be uh, Ethan, Ashley, because that sounded too much like Ethan Allen, the furniture store, and I didn't want people calling him a furniture store. So Sean, Ashley, and Ethan Patrick. Fast forward a decade, and like, we find out we're pregnant. And I immediately start thinking of all these girls' names that would just be incredible. And, and then we find out there's not one, but there's two. And we're like, well, this is great. We don't have to cut as many names off the list. We can keep two now, not just one. Then we find out that they're boys. We ain't got any names until so we remember the chieftains. We got two names. But we changed the middle names from 10 years prior, names that tell the story of how our family came into being. Ethan Samuel from 1 Samuel 1, where Hannah, naming her son Samuel, says, I have asked for him from the Lord. John Gabriel, from Luke 1, where Gabriel responded to Mary's questions of how she, as a virgin, was able to conceive and give birth to a son, said, For nothing will be impossible with God. And those boys mark things that we asked the Lord for, and things that we thought were impossible but were not with God. Every name has a story. And the same is true of Jesus. As we look at the Christmas story in this opening chapter of Matthew's Gospel this morning, the apostle gives us a glimpse into the story behind three of the names that we attribute to the one whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, that of Christ, that of Jesus, and that of Emmanuel, names that tell a story of who Jesus is, of why Jesus came, and what that means, why this is so important, why I'm so glad you were here this morning to hear this. And so let's take a look at the, the story behind the first name Matthew gives out of Christ. Hey, kids, what's the first name we're looking at? Yell it loud like you did the song. The first name is Christ. Okay, that was good. That was good. This is your actual chance to yell in the middle of church. The first name is? There you go. I knew Theo wouldn't let me down. Matthew, he begins in verse 18 saying, Now the birth of Jesus. That was, that was okay. Okay. It took place in this way. Now, before we go further, a quick point of clarification. Christ is not Jesus' last name. we good? Okay? Jesus is not the Son of Joseph and Mary Christ. We don't know their last name. Now, Christ is more of a title than a name. It is the, the Greek version of the, the Hebrew word Messiah, Christ and Messiah, one and one and the same, a title that means the one anointed by God, the one sent by God, a title given to the one that was promised by God, the one spoken of by the prophets, the one who would come to liberate God's people, the one they had been crying out for and waiting for for a long, long time. Sort of like how some of you feel like you've been waiting a long, long time to open presents that are under the tree. Now, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you get to open presents on Christmas Eve tonight? Tonight's the night. Okay, so there's like one family over here. Tim's family's opening presents tonight. How many of y'all are opening presents tomorrow morning on Christmas Day? Some of you aren't raising your hands. The person next to you who got you a gift is like, well, I'm going to keep that for myself then. (laughs) Only instead of waiting a few weeks, a few hours or a day to open their present, they waited for what felt like forever they waited centuries not days or hours crying out to god to send messiah to free them from this this oppressive rule that they were experiencing ever since the fall of jerusalem some 600 years ago when when the babylonians came in conquered the city and hauled them away into exile for the kids basically what happened god's people were really naughty and they got put in timeout. they got sent away But then as soon as the exile ended, they returned home. And they thought everything was going to be good again, except it wasn't long. It was like the blink of an eye. And then in came the Greeks, and they took over. And then in came the Romans, and they took over. One oppressive enemy ruling them after another. One big bully after another. And so Matthew, he begins his gospel here with his, his message of good news, declaring that this man named Jesus, that he is, in fact, the promised Christ. He is the long-awaited Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Because, see, he was unlike any other human being that had ever been born because his birth was unlike any birth that had ever taken place. And that while he was, he was born of a human mother, Matthew writes, a young girl by the name of Mary who had been betrothed to a, a man named Joseph, he was not born of a human father. Because before they came together, before they consummated their marriage, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, Matthew writes. The Holy Spirit having come upon her, Luke writes. Every name has a story, And the baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, he is the long-awaited Christ sent by God. He is the promised Messiah anointed by God who is God, the Son of God, who was in the beginning with God as God, John writes, who, who came to us as one of us to rescue and redeem us. And so, kids, who is the first name we got tonight? Christ. It's morning, it's not night. I was already, like, don't say good evening, say good morning. It's Christmas Eve service in the morning, Christ. Now let's take a look at the second name Matthew gives, that of Jesus, right? The name above every name. Kids, what's the second name? Jesus. First name is? Second name is? Jesus. Jesus. It says Mary, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. This was, um, it, it, it's nothing like our engagement, so if that's what you were told Delete that, not like that. What it is, is it was this initial stage in marriage in first century Jewish culture that lasted for about a year, where the couple, they were legally married, they were considered husband and wife, but they were not yet living together. They, they made a legally binding commitment that was uh, separated only through death or divorce, but they had not yet consummated their marriage. And before they came together, it says she was found to be with child. And now we know that this was of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph doesn't know this yet. We know more than he does, at least for the time being. But what he does know, he knows two things. He knows that Mary's pregnant. She's beginning to show. He knows, and if they don't already, the whole village is going to know soon. He knows that she's pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. And so that only leaves one option in his mind. But it says that being a just man, being a righteous man, he was careful to live according to the Mosaic law in Jewish culture at the time, knowing that he was obligated to divorce his wife. He was a just man, but we also see here something about Joseph in that he was a compassionate man. It says that he was unwilling to put Mary to shame. And so rather than making a public spectacle of this, he resolved to divorce her quietly. He resolved to do this in private. And as he considered these things, as he was thinking about and praying about and seeking a way forward, one that honored God without humiliating Mary, he says, behold, behold, by the way, that's teacher talk, kids, that's teacher talk. Heads up, look at me, focus, all eyes up here. We good? Listen, listen. Something important's coming. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. An angel that, that many believe it was Gabriel, the same angel that visited Mary. And now um, God, God's always doing more than we can see, isn't he? God's always doing more than we can see. God calls us to walk by faith, not by sight. And so while we don't always get to see behind the curtain at what's going on, sometimes we do. Sometimes we get a glimpse. And Joseph got a glimpse here. The angel gave Joseph a glimpse of the rest of the story. He gave him a Paul Harvey here, letting him see his plan because he was very much a part of this plan. And the angel gave Joseph four commands here. And the first, it says, even though the people, people were going to talk, people we were gonna whisper. Word was, was gonna travel. And they were gonna point as he walked by. They were, gonna, they were gonna ask questions and whisper behind his back. He says, do not fear. Do not fear what they say. Do not fear what they would do. Don't fear the ramifications or the consequences of what I'm asking you to do. Do not fear. And the second command was to take Mary as his wife. Knowing at this point now She's not been unfaithful to you, but ever faithful to God. To the point that when the angel Gabriel visited her and told her what would happen, you know what her response was? She said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. Do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. And number three, it says, she will bear a son and you shall name him. And there is significance in that act because by naming this child who was not biologically his own, he was legally adopting him as his own, incorporating Jesus now into the royal line of King David. Do not fear, take Mary as your wife, name him, but don't just name him any name. They, they did not, unlike some parents 45 years ago chose to do, name their son after a very handsome essential character from a movie from the 1930s, a movie that to this day remains the highest grossing movie ever when adjusted for inflation, a boy's name that would go on to be one of the top five most popular girls' names for 19 straight years, folks. 19! <laughs> the other day, where were we the other day? I was getting my blood drawn. I had to get my cholesterol checked. And... I knew it was coming. She had that look. She's like, do you mind if I ask you a question? And that usually leads to one of two questions. Either there's some aspect of my job that's in my profile, and she wants to ask a question about God, which I love those, or the other. Did your parents not like you? Did they want a girl? And the doctor said, sorry? No, she didn't say that. She just asked, has anyone ever given you a hard time about your name? I was like, no, never. Never. Then she proceeded to say that her name was Tommy, and she got blasted all the time. We bonded over that. But for real, who names their son after a top girl's name from 19 straight years? You know who doesn't do that? Mary and Joseph didn't do that. (laughs) They didn't pick the name Jesus because it was one of the top three names, Jesus, Joseph, and John. Apparently J's were big back then. No, they named him Jesus because of the story behind the name. A name that means Yahweh saves. means God saves. Saves who? And saves from what? The angel says, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, to talk about Christmas without talking about sin would be to ignore the very reason Jesus came. Agree? Because if there was no sin, there would be no need for a savior. If there was no sin, there would be no need for Christ to come. But yet I think we're all very well aware that sin is very much a reality in our broken world. All of creation having been infected by sin. All of creation having been impacted by sin. These poor poinsettias that we forgot to water this week. For example, I was just calling it out because if you're sitting in the front row, you're already judging us for it. I was judging me for it. Sin is a present reality in our world. It's also a very present reality in our lives. Sin has infected our minds, impacting the way that we think. It has infected our hearts, impacting our desires. It has infected our hands and feet, impacting our actions and the way that we live. It has infected our entire bodies, impacting our health. And not just some of us, but all of us. I don't need you to raise your hand here. All of us. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there is no asterisk or footnote needed in our Bibles for that. And that sin, the sin that we've committed, the presence of sin, it, it has separated us from God. It, it's put distance between us. And, and it's not that we don't recognize that distance. I think we very much recognize something's not right. We, we recognize that something needs to be done. The problem is that we think we can do it on ourselves. We, we think we can save ourselves. We think that we can find our own way back to God, that we can make our own way back to God. But when we do that, I think what happens is we fail to recognize the depth of our sin. See, here's the thing. We have dug a hole so deep we could never climb out. We have dug a chasm so wide we could never cross over it. We have accrued a debt to God so great we could never hope to pay it off on our own. And it's like we just see that as a challenge. And so we try again and again and again, don't we? And we fail again and again and again. Until eventually you come to realize your need for someone else to do what you are entirely incapable of doing. Someone else to pull you up out of that hole. Someone else to provide a way, a a bridge to cross that chasm. Someone else to pay off the debt that we owe to God. And that someone is Jesus, Amen? amen? That someone is Jesus. And he is extending his hand to you this morning. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, no matter how Far you've strayed away, how long you've been away, no matter how many times he's extended that hand and you've taken hold of it, he will never stop extending it again and again and again. And we grab hold of that hand because that hand belongs to the one who bridged the chasm we could never bridge, bridged by his cross. We grab hold of that hand because he paid the debt that we could never pay a debt that he paid on the cross. His blood cleansing us of our shame. His resurrection giving us freedom, giving us life. His ascension giving us hope in his promised return, his second advent. Because see, Jesus, he not only saved us from our sin in his first advent, he will save all of creation from sin in his return in his second advent, eradicating the evil that exists in our world. Ushering in the fullness of his kingdom that is already here but not yet in full. Righting all of the wrongs in our world. Restoring all that is broken. Resurrecting our dead bodies and renewing creation so that it will once again be very good just as it was in the very good beginning. The story ending right back here. Every name has a story. And the baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas was given the name God saves. God saves. Yeshua, Jesus, because he himself is God who came to save. And so, kids, real quick, first name we heard tonight was? Second name? Anybody want to guess what the third name is? Mm -hmm. You, you, You got it. You just said it with a little less confidence this third time. So here's the third name that Matthew gives us in this morning's story, that of Emmanuel. Say that with me. Emmanuel. He writes in verse 22, all of this, the the coming of Christ, Messiah's arrival, the birth of Jesus, it took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years earlier, the first of Matthew's many, what he calls, uh, what we call fulfillment formulas. And he says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew, he... Each of the gospel writers wrote their gospel for a very specific reason. John uh, writes this very specifically at the end. He, he wrote these stories out of the many stories so that you might believe in who Jesus is and why he came. Matthew wrote his gospel, though, to show how every page of the Old Testament Hebrew scripture spoken of by God points to Jesus. Revealing how every promise ever made by God is fulfilled in Jesus. That's why Matthew's gospel it is filled with the Old Testament. And before, long before, Matthew saw Isaiah's prophecy as being fulfilled in Jesus, Isaiah spoke a promise from God that God made to Ahaz, who was the king of, of Judah. It, it was a sign of, of God's presence among his people, people that feared God had abandoned him, that they had, he had left them, a prophecy that was in fact fulfilled within the lifetime of Ahaz. And that's what we see when we view Isaiah's prophecy through a historical lens, looking backwards at Isaiah's time, seeing the birth of what we believe to be Isaiah's own child. But every name has a story. And the baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, he too was given the name Emmanuel. Because Matthew knew. He knew the story of Jesus' birth. He knew of of, of the virgin birth. And in that story, He saw a broader, fuller meaning to Isaiah's prophecy when viewed through a Christological lens, when when looking to Jesus. He, He saw Jesus not only as Christ, as God having come to us. He saw Jesus not only as Savior, God having come to save us, but as Emmanuel, God with us, the one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And his birth was a sign that after four hundred years of silence, going back to the prophecy of Malachi, that God had not abandoned his people. He had not abandoned his creation, but instead entered into the brokenness of creation to be with his people. As Jesus, he added the fullness of humanity to the fullness of his divinity through the incarnation, taking on flesh and dwelling among us as one of us, God with us. And he wasn't just with us for the 30-some years following Jesus' birth that ended with his death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. No, Jesus has been with us every moment of every day since. Jesus, having promised that he would be with us always until the end of the age, with us through the presence of his spirit, his spirit present among us collectively and within us individually, individually, We have not been abandoned by God, have we? God with us. Not God was with us, God with us. Forever with us. For behold, the dwelling place of God is where? It is with us. And he will dwell with us. And we will be his people. And God himself will be with us as our God, he says. And that promise is still being fulfilled to this day. And when Joseph woke from his sleep and he got to, got to sleepy out of his eyes and drool off his mouth, I, he may have been taking a nap. You know what Joseph did? Hey, kids, do you think Joseph did what the angel said? Or, yes or no? Yeah, he did. He did. It's up on the screen, isn't it? You could read it. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Every name has a story. And at Christmas, we celebrate the story behind the names of Christ. God having come to us. Of Jesus, God having come to save us. Of Emmanuel, God having come to be with us names that tell a story, the most important story, a story of who Jesus is, a story of why Jesus came and why this story is so important to you and what it means. And here at Redemption, we, um, we follow up our time of having received God's word by reflecting on God's word. We take a moment to, to sit with what it is that we have heard. To not just rush past, those Christmas presents will be there when you get home. Don't worry. Yeah, not open them till tomorrow morning anyway. Apparently, ninety-five percent of you. And so, let's take a moment to reflect, allowing the Spirit to stir. And we do this by uh, listening to a reading of God's Word with an openness to the leading of God's Spirit. And usually, at this time, I give you questions to think on, to reflect on. But here. I simply want you to reflect on the story behind the three names that we've heard this morning. And I want you to reflect on who this baby, whose birth we celebrate is, and why he came, and why that is so meaningful to us, why this matters so much. Why Christmas is is about a gift. It is about light, it is about hope. It is about peace. It is about joy. It is about all those themes of Advent. And we're no longer awaiting them because it has arrived. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.